Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Welcome again to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today I'm back in the office again and have another great guest that I'm going to interview. John Clark has a, is a mining veteran and has a career expanding over 40 years or so. Worked for some of the bigger companies in the industry, for instance, Ashanto, Ashanti Goldfields and Nevson. Um, holding senior and executive positions in Africa, probably for the past 15 or 20 years. Apart from working as an independent consultant at the moment, he's currently chairman of Great Quest Fertilizer, which focuses on development and manufacture of farm-ready fertilizers from African mineral deposits for African agriculture markets. They're also listed on Canada's TSX Venture Exchange. Um, I've known John for a little while and I'm really interested to hear his journey, especially working obviously in Africa for the past um, 20 years or so um, and interested in uh, understanding a little bit more about the, the roles that he's played in executive roles and um, able to share his journey with us. So let's get straight into this and I want to welcome John Clark. Hi John. Hi Rob. Um, thanks a lot for taking the time to do this podcast. First, I just want to start off from the beginning of your career when you start, uh, studied metallurgy at Cambridge. Um, so I just want to talk, talk a little bit about how you, reasons why you started uh, studying metallurgy uh, and why you got into the industry. Uh, thanks, Rob. I was, I was actually looking for an applied science course where I could look forward to working in industry or maybe able to work abroad. Um, I studied a very general metallurgy course originally in Cardiff which included all steps from rocks coming out of the ground to be processed, wet processing of ore, smelting, right the way to the use of metals in industry. And then a little later on uh, I did my research in Cambridge uh, into uh, some smelting operations. Okay, Um, was there any reason why you studied metallurgy over possibly mine engineering or geology? Not really strongly, other than, you know, as an 18-year-old, I'd been doing chemistry, physics, maths, a bit of an emphasis on the chemistry side. It took me into metallurgy, but my brother before me was a mining engineer. My father was in mining engineering. Um, to do something. So it could have been any of them. Yeah. Um, so obviously you studied at Cambridge. Um, how studying at Cambridge Obviously, Oxford and Cambridge are pretty well known as universities here in the UK. Um, how was it studying, studying there? Well, I was doing, post, I was doing postgraduate studies. Um, it was full-time research. It was in you know, my own laboratory. Um, I treated it like a job. I made sure I got all the hours in every day and that I was hitting targets for finishing the product in three years and going back into industry. Uh, I had a good supervisor. That's the key. And I had an exciting project to do. Yeah. And so obviously completed your um, studies. 
Um, so where did you, how, how did you find the market back, back then? What, what did you do? Where did you go and work? If you can uh, give us a little bit of a journey from when you graduated. Okay. Uh, when I graduated initially, my first job, my wife and I went uh, to South Africa. I worked for Consulted Goldfields, a graduate trainee. My plan was always to go into industry I wanted to do academic research, but I wanted to make sure I was doing it in an industry I liked. Yeah. So I made sure I got a job. I made sure I went out and I enjoyed it. And then I went back to do the academic research, albeit in smelting rather than mining, but it still fitted in with the general things I'd done as an undergraduate. Yeah. Um, after yeah. three years of that, I went to work for an RTZ subsidiary um, on industrial research. And after three years of that, I worked for Johnson Massey in the smelting side of precious metals uh, in operations. Uh, was um, this in South Africa? No, that was all of that. Those last six, nine years, six years in industry, three years in university in the UK. My brother at the time, but my last couple of months in of that period, I was working in a shanty goldfields himself and he made me aware of opportunities. I made an application and I started my career anew, basically. And I went to Ghana for Shanti, who, which was a private company at the time, 55% owned by the government, 45% owned by uh, Lonro, and they had a management contract. But I worked for the Ghana company. Okay. And what, what position did you hold there? Oh, quite a lot, actually. I was very fortunate that it was... Again, an exciting time for the company. Um, it was on hard times when I joined the management team of the time, uh, you know, the senior management team of the time had got some IFC loan in place to resurrect, restructure the company. Um, I was middle management. I was one of the beneficiaries of that loan and being able to work on its application. We basically, under Sam Jonah, the company was rebuilt. We built the Ghana side of the company, we built a shanty exploration as a vehicle for the rest of sub-Saharan Africa, and the company went public around about 1992. Okay. I mean, and obviously you were working with them for, for over 15 years, so you've probably seen a privately owned company move into quite a large company, obviously being listed. So obviously there was a lot of changes. What, what kind of changes were made from going from a small company into obviously a very large company as we, as we know of it today. Okay, at the Ghana end, the significant changes in the 80s was government involvement in changing its own laws to ensure, because mining, you know, commercial mining had been happening for 80, over 80 years by then. But the government, um, revolutionary government of the day, um, actually changed the laws to encourage investment and give people the opportunity to make a return. Um, Ashanti became the showcase and it was good timing. High-grade deposit had been mined for 80 years, still had plenty of life in it. But the key issue was we started looking not just inside Ghana, but we started looking outside Ghana. We ended up in the mid-90s buying three significant um, exploration stroke mining companies for three key assets. And those three assets were brought into production, which built the bigger shanty that we knew. Okay. And what was the, what was the reason for buying those particular key assets? What was, what was significant about those particular assets? Um, they, were, they were sufficiently advanced to 
first to understand that they had far more value than the market price of the companies that owned them. Yep. Um, we had the skills in-house, the company, to manage mining operations. We had the ability to uh, raise funds, and we already had very good home mining operations and mining cash flow. So it was a good time in the industry for all of those sort of green lights to shine for us, and it worked. Yeah. So you left there in 97. Where, where did your then journey take you next? Okay, I'll step back a bit. At that particular point in time, I'd had so many opportunities with Ashanti. I'd been able to work in just about every line of the business. I'd been given those opportunities. I really did want to try the junior end of the markets. Nelson had some properties in Ghana and in Mali. Uh, they were very early stage exploration. They fitted my wish to go into the junior side. And one of the first things that I was involved with when I got to Nelson, within a couple of weeks, I, I went to one of the places I'd been very comfortable in my Ashanti days as Ashanti exploration. And I revisited them. We had an office in the Ashanti days. I was no longer with Ashanti. So I, I went to Eritrea and um, added that country to our portfolio. And um, things worked well for us. And then... I suppose before I move more further into your your career, um, obviously, like you said, you, you worked for Ashanti Goldfields um, and obviously developed their operations in Africa um, and obviously then also worked for Nevson in 1997, again, focusing on African uh, portfolio in Africa. What would you say the major challenges um, uh, have been or even benefits of operating in a diverse African uh, jurisdiction? Uh, um, I, think, I think I can blend that with Africa or anywhere else in the world. I mean, challenges of running uh, particularly um, a junior sort of exploration company is dealing with the cyclical markets. You know, yeah. good projects or mines can quickly become sub-economic on a downturn. And they can become stars again on an uptick in the metal price. And that's for majors and the yeah. juniors. Yeah. Irrespective of the size of the company, often you want a reasonable spread in your portfolio to spread risk, but not too much of a spread that you waste your money and you, you miss the key opportunities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Need to focus on key assets. In Africa in particular, you're dealing with governments that do want you to work with them and really do want mining and mining discoveries to be successful. They are so key to their own cash flow and economic development that it's usually win willing parties yeah. you'll be all sorts of issues in the press but the bottom line is willing parties uh, working together it's very important i think anywhere in the world but whether it's africa south america europe australia usually you're working in somebody else's country yeah you're working as a, <clears throat> a guest worker and to maintain support from government, you really do need to make sure you're developing a local company with, which is recognized and accepted locally, employing local people and developing their skills. Two other key rules for me, always obey the law, no shortcuts. Yeah. Things work better, you get better support. Yeah. Um, obviously, I recently went to the Mines and Money and there was a lot of discussions around 
around corporate social responsibility and obviously some of the things that you've just mentioned. Why do, why do you think companies fail, or not necessarily fail, why do you think companies, sometimes these operations don't plan out or these joint venture agreements don't plan out? What, what would you say some of the major reasons why success isn't always happening when a company goes into a particular country? Corporate social responsibility is obviously a, a keystone of any operation in any industry anywhere. We, we all have to work within the uh, communities that we both live in and work in, the national and at the local level. I think in the main, people adhere to that principle well throughout the industry. Occasionally there may be a mishap, an, uh, uh, an issue, and that issue could be taken negatively, blown up into something bigger. Yep. And maybe some people just have to clean up their planning for that responsibility. But I think there's a general, it's not just a general understanding that people know how important it is, but people actually work on it. Yeah. I was going to say, if there was an issue and it wasn't addressed, does it then sometimes snowball and then that creates a bigger issue and then suddenly the joint venture partners or maybe the government, it just creates a snowball effect. So then once an issue happens, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, is that sometimes tends to what happen or is it multiple issues? And then that's when the, there's a breakdown of, I suppose, the joint venture agreement. And that's why some companies, sometimes it comes to a head and then obviously it, it breaks, uh, the whole agreement breaks down and obviously affects the whole mining operation. I, I think it has to be a mix of, uh, a mix of factors. Um, and I would, I would guess at both sides of the table, but the yeah. remedy is always to talk to each other. Yeah, and I suppose having clear, clear lines of communication and if there is issues, dress them straight, uh, straight away um, so they don't snowball. Um, but yeah, and I suppose again, working in those kind, in that, I suppose any country or any African country, communication obviously is important. Um, where you do have to com continue communicating and make sure you're on the, I suppose, on the same wavelength and not misguiding unintentionally. Um, if there was an issue, you're 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 speaking about the same thing and not two different things. Well, actually, I, I don't think it's uh, continent-specific. It is no different than running a business in my own hometown. Yeah. Um, I think that's the reality. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to be cute with words there. Uh, it is no different at home. It's a fact of life. It's something you have to not just attend to, but be aware of and uh, be willing that if there's some misconception somewhere that you're willing to talk about it and maybe change. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned you touched on Eritrea and obviously you've done quite a bit of work out there. Um, I mean, there seems to be some sort of good and positive news um, now that peace, uh, now peace is now in place. Um, from your opinion, where does Eritrea stand for opportunities in mining? I'd like to be asked that one. Um, I actually went to Eritrea just to meet people in October to get back in touch 
Uh, say thank you to those people who had helped me in my Ashanti and in my Nervesome days there, both people in government and people in industry. Um, I personally enjoyed working there uh, with both companies. They've had a difficult history uh, with border conflict with Ethiopia, which is now behind them. It's behind them and it's behind Ethiopia. Uh, they're, natural, they're natural brothers, they're natural colleagues. They've got similar history. At, you know, the boundaries are quite modern boundaries. Eritrea, as far as mining is concerned, I think Eritrea, well, any industry, but mining in particular, because of the success of Bisha, uh, both to show how successful mining can be in the country, as well as the government seeing uh, how to um, use, it, use the proceeds yeah. as best they can for the, the country. Eritrea's frontier territory, again, it's wide open for business with the chances of people finding new discoveries. And there's a lot of goodwill around both at the government level and in the international community to see Eritrea and Ethiopia be successful. Yeah. Um, on my personal fronts, having been involved in uh, the Bisha discovery and knowing a little bit about the technical aspects of it, these, are, these discoveries come in clusters. They don't come one at a time. There have to be more Bishas in Eritrea. There has to be more for the industry to get excited about and be willing to go and search. And also, they've got some very exciting potash discoveries. Okay. So there's obviously a lot of opportunities in Eritrea. It seems the government are behind mining. What else do you think needs to be done then to, I suppose, um, increase the mining industry with, within Eritrea? Uh, keep talking to each other. And by that, uh, no different than my previous comment. Um, have dialogue. See governments around the world talking to them again um, in a friendly fashion. Yeah. They deserve it. It's happening. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think it's an exciting time. And that's the time when people in our industry should be uh, going and looking because you know if you can choose a place to go and look where you're welcome and you're wanted um, and it's a fresh start it helps yeah okay um want to sort of look, move on um obviously you work for uh, various companies what would you say the main differences are working with a major compared to sort of junior or mid-tier minor um, and what would you prefer? That's a difficult one because um, all companies are really just groups of people working together. And whether you're a manager or CEO or one of the workers, your job is to work as part of a team. Yeah. Um, I've, I've not really seen the difference um, in the opportunities to be part of a team, whether I've been in a major company or, or in a junior um, I suppose the likelihood is if you're in a junior, you're you have a more senior position, and uh, you know you're a bigger you're you're in a smaller pond, and you you feel a bit bigger. Um, I suppose you have to be multitasks, <clears throat> multitasks as well. If you're working for a smaller company, very much to do a lot more things than if you were with a larger company with a particular responsibility and certain duties. No, I think you've just described my experience as with Ashanti as Ashanti grew I, because I left it as a made as a significant as a major company. I tend to think that it was always a major company, which in Ghana it always was. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, no, that's a fair comment. Yeah. Again, I suppose as you grow bigger, you become more specialized or each individual becomes more specialized um, as opposed to more of a, a generic if you're working for a smaller, a smaller model. Uh, yes, until you're doing predominantly general management or CO and you're, you're no longer the specialist, you're, um, you're a generalist again. Yeah, yeah. it's a progress. Um, obviously, you've worked in many senior management and executive roles. Um, have they sort of all been different in terms of what you're looking to go out and achieve? And have you had to use sort of different skills and experience for each of those, each of those roles? And again, I was right. asking this question if people are looking to step into senior management or an executive role, um, the kind of attributes they may need. Or would a senior executive have a generalistic number of skill sets for that role? Or do you need to be more specialised in one? Or again, is it part of a team? You're part of a team and certain, certain parts of those teams bring certain skills to that team. I, I think it's a team issue. We can't have all the skills for every job. We might have been fortunate enough to have worked in many of them. But yeah. we wouldn't necessarily be the ultimate expert in those. We've just had the good fortune to have worked a bit, so we build a better understanding of the contribution that that discipline puts in. Yeah. Um, so maybe if you've been able to, as opposed to rise through um, a single discipline to the top, if your path has been a bit more zigzag, um, I think a Japanese um, model is that that's what they prefer you to do in any case. Um, in other words, um, you move sideways and up and sideways again and up and pick up other skills. That ought to be helpful, but um, just as competent people manage to do it through their discipline. It's a people business at the end of the day. I think the common skill is handling people. Yeah, yeah. Um, a question I want to ask, and, uh, and it's around mentorship. Um, I'm actually getting a mentor next year in order to develop myself and my business. Um, have you had a mentor or do you still have a mentor um, in, uh, or during, during your career when you're obviously you've stepped up, stepped up the ladder? Have you had a mentor um, throughout or at periods of time of, uh, of your career? Not in the, not in the sense that um, you described it, but yeah. um, I've, I've had, a range of people who've either given me good instructions or given me good advice. And yes. I've learned the mistakes of not listening. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and, um, Is that earlier on in your career? No, I think it's a mistake we can always make. Yeah. Um, uh, you regret them, you fix them. No, I, I've certainly had people who've made significant impact, as I said earlier, uh, to my career. Yeah, uh, I think I listen to them most of the time. Yeah, I mean, was this earlier on in your career as opposed to uh, more more early on? But yeah. um, there's there's always a wealth of advice at whatever level you're at, whether the advice is coming from your peers, from your um, subordinates, or your uh, your bosses. Yeah, uh, sometimes from the marketplace, um, you can't always match people's advice yeah but it's 
best not to ignore them. There's a good reason why you've been given it. Yeah, and I suppose you can take bits from that and adapt it to your own particular situation. I should think so, yes. Hmm. Yeah. Um, before I want to move on to obviously talk about more current, uh, what you're doing currently, um, what advice would you give anyone wanting to move into the executive or senior management space? So anyone that's potentially looking to maybe move into a COO, CEO type position, um, what advice would you give them? Or is there anything they should be looking to do and obviously looking at a career plan? Uh, if I just take the career plan one, uh, yeah. because I think the career plan would in a way inform the rest of your question. Yeah. Because of my age and where I worked and studied in my, you know, until I was into my early 30s, um, I did consciously go looking for um, experiences that would help my career development. But yep. I was very lucky being brought up in the UK of the 70s, well, 80s, uh, 60s through school, and then the 70s. We, we had the polytechnic system here. I was able to work in the, even after I'd got my academic qualifications, my main ones, I was able in the evenings to go and do business studies, go and study uh, accounting and business economics, go and do other things that never, ever would be my careers. Yep. But would give me a chance to understand how the hell other people made their contributions. I think that was a benefit to me. Yeah. I, it didn't make me accountant, didn't make me a lawyer, didn't make me any of the other essential ingredients. But it did help me with an understanding of the varied contributions. Now, some people can pick all that up just by working in a company. Yeah. I had the good fortune I could, uh, and my wife allowed me to do it, I had the good fortune of being able to study it a bit more widely, have fun listening. And I found all of that helpful as my career progressed. Yeah. I mean, I suppose with technology now, um, looking at, again, I suppose looking at expatriates who work on fly and fly out rosters, they perhaps could be working in the middle of nowhere, um, could be working 12 hour shifts. They're going to have some downtime. So, what with technology now you could spend a couple of hours each evening um learning different skills different courses maybe like you said if you're looking to go into a senior executive role maybe a business administration course it doesn't necessarily have to be a degree but it, i suppose it, it enhances the skills and ex uh, skills that you could acquire from learning things around maybe accountancy around people management um like i said you you you've got a few a few hours before um i suppose before bedtime um where you and you've got the technology now where you can do a lot of this online so again it, in, it can enhance your your skill set and edge you closer to more senior roles because you're going to have a wider range of skills no i'm glad you mentioned that no some very successful people i know on fly in, fly out, um, sometimes, you know, with longer, much longer periods in and few, fewer out, have done exactly that. It's good for the soul, it's good for, it's good for their future employment opportunities. And I have seen people build their way through the industry doing exactly that. Yeah. 
uh, I think they had to put more work into it than I did because I had I, I had it on my doorstep. Yeah, yeah. But that's I suppose that's something to any listeners if they if they are looking to move up their uh, up the ladder in their career and they do need additional skills, that's something perhaps they could look at and enjoy. Yeah, certainly. Okay, I want to move on um, and so obviously talk about uh, Great Quest fertilizers. Um, if you can. Um, Give us an overview of, um, I know you've been, been with them for a while. If you can uh, give us just an overview of um, obviously the company um, and what your, what your role is and what you're looking to achieve. Okay, I'm, I'm a non-executive director of the company. Um, I've been involved in what they're doing since, I don't know, about 10 years back. Okay. Um, they were, Great Quest at the time was a gold exploration company with an interesting portfolio close to the first mine that, um, that Nefson built, which was in Mali, which was yeah. in Western Mali. Uh, but they were looking at diversifying into exploring for phosphates in the north of the country. Okay. And they would have had two halves of their portfolio. And it did make sense because um, the quality and grade of what seemed to be available in the north 25, 26% P205 without any processing and a little bit of screening being able to upgrade that to 35% uh, uh, P205. It gives exactly what you need for a direct application fertilizer or product to mix with uh, the nitrogen and the, um, the potash uh, mixes. Uh, so that's what got me interested. And the discovery that they made, that the management team made, was pretty spectacular. Okay. There in the north of Mali. Uh, the north of Mali has uh, its own difficulties because of what's happening in the Sahara at the moment with different groups of peoples, but strong government support to maintain license and be able to bring it into production in due course. Yep. Um, they've done all the agricultural trials continuously so that the local, the local market is aware that there's a product you know, available mm -hmm. for them eventually. Good, good support. Uh, so they did that diversification. At the moment, what the company is doing, um, you know, through its management team, obviously with the support of the board, is looking at uh, another route to maintain and grow the business. And that's to go down into the agricultural supply side, look at the people who use the fertilizer and get involved in some agricultural products, which will give a market and cash flow to build more of the same, i.e. the agricultural market, and give natural users for the phosphate fertilizer when it eventually can come to the market. And they're looking at cashew processing in Cote d'Ivoire. So it's right next door to Mali. The persistence in the phosphate work and now the new persistence in the focus with food processing, it's quite a, that also is quite exciting. I think the management team is working hard on that and I'm pleased to be there to support. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, what is, what is your role within the whole, whole framework? Um, do you consult to them? Um, do you sort of represent them or they're both? I could represent them uh, when required. It gives me the opportunity to uh, spread the words of when this sort of opportunity comes up. But uh, I'm the same as any other director. I'm there to represent shareholders. Uh, but you know, one of the ways of representing shareholders is 
where you're able to assist management, um, just enjoy doing it. Yeah. Okay. And so where is the company now? And I suppose what is, what is the future of where you want to take? The future is to be in general fertilizer production. Um, It has the plans that when it can access the Northern Mali properties fully, um, how to uh, take that product, uh, sell a general uh, direct application fertilizer, as well as any of the grade of blended fertilizers that the market requires. And it has an advantage of having the properties in Central West Africa, in as much as the blending of those other, the the potash-related and the nitrogen-related parts of the fertilizer mix uh, can be imported, but they don't have to go through all the cost of importing the phosphate component of it. Yes. So they can produce in West Africa eventually for general consumption in you know, that large chunk of francophone West Africa and in Mali and in uh, uh, Ghana and in Nigeria and sell to a local market for a very reasonable margin and at a lower price than it would cost you to bring all of those products from further away in the world. Okay, okay. In the meantime, it does make sense as a future fertilizer supplier to also be in the agricultural processing market as well, be at both ends of the use of the fertilizer. Okay, that's that's an interesting way to look at look at um, from obviously the company being a gold mining producer or gold mining. No, it's only an explorer. It's it's a it's explorer, a gold okay. mining explorer, but yeah. its future is in the phosphates. Yeah. Okay. And then turn turning the company slightly round uh, and doing obviously something a little bit different. So uh, no, that that was interesting to hear. Okay, want to slowly um, sort of wrap this up. So the last sort of five minutes or so, just want to um, ask a few quick fire questions. Um, so obviously you've been in the industry for a long time. Why do you still enjoy mining? I still find it exciting. Um, as an industry, we produce um, a product that we all rely on. As I look around my office here, there's not much in this office that hasn't needed a chunk of metal to make yeah. it or it's metal itself yeah that's fun my wife allows me to do it <laughs> okay that's good um and who's been the sort of most most influential person uh, on you in your mining career um obviously i asked a question previously about men- mentoring but is there any one one person that's been sort of most influential to you I might have mentioned earlier, I'd have to mention a few actually. Uh, yep. Certainly both my father and my brother within the industry as well as outlook on how to behave properly. Yeah. <laughs> and the person who moved me around various departments, which gave me the opportunities to not just be in the metallurgical processing, but get into mine management and set up shanty exploration and all the other things that I really, really did enjoy the chance of. Yeah. Um, Sam Jonah and my shanty days. Okay. Um, obviously you've been in the career for a long time, but is there anything else you still want to achieve? Yeah, just to keep enjoying the sector, um, whether it's direct involvement or as an investor. And I suppose, I suppose uh, in your time of career, you're still, you're still getting out of bed and still, 
still being involved in mining. So obviously you, you do you do enjoy it, and obviously you want to achieve more. So um, where do you see the future of mining? That'll always be where the society needs our product. It's important that we do the work as efficiently and cleanly as we possibly can with all the correct outlook on the both environmental as well as the people front, social front. It gets a bad rap in some people's minds because they don't see the full extent of how they rely on the metals. But it's our job to let them know how we can do the job well and cleanly and efficiently. And of course, that's what shareholders want in any case. Yep, certainly. Um, And lastly, any advice that you'll give uh, anyone in the uh, any mining professional in the industry to sort of develop and better themselves and I suppose because you've worked in Africa for a long time um, how would you say an expatriate what should they be looking to do to further themselves uh, within within their career from an expatriate perspective okay remember Africa is such a large continent that yep. experience in one country doesn't necessarily flow on to total relevance anywhere else and I tend to make a lightning a lightning position um, just because you've worked in Finland doesn't mean that you're going to be really good working in the south of Italy yeah but the industry is the same the way you should be handling people's the same so you know there is a commonality there remember that you're a guest worker enjoy being a guest worker work hard listen to good advice build a team yeah Okay. Build your team, even if even if you're, you know, any position in the company, always build the team below you because it's the team below you that's going to push you up. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. Okay, John, thanks again for obviously taking the time to share your this, uh, your journey and providing us with um, valuable co- obviously content and knowledge um, of working and doing business in Africa, um, and giving your views on what you need to do and succeed, obviously, in senior management. Um, if our audience wants to contact you, um, how can they go about doing that if they want to ask you any questions? Oh, they're welcome. Um, my email address is jaclarke01 at gmail.com. Okay. And are you on any social, social media platforms? Um, I do use LinkedIn. Okay. And I do use Skype, but I'm, I'm not on Facebook or the others. Yep. Okay, no worries. Um, alternatively, you can contact myself via email if you want to ask John any questions. And my email address is rob at mining-international.org. Um, and sure, you can send some questions through and um, I can pass them on to, pass them on to John. Um, well, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast from where ever you are in the world um, currently we've we're in over 50 countries um, and we grow and we're growing um, and we've also got about a thou- over a thousand subscribers so um, appreciate everyone out there if they can um, continue spreading the word um, tell your work colleagues tell your friends in the industry um, to obviously download this free podcast um, if they haven't already so um, and appreciate if anyone can post the podcast on any social media profiles that they have um because obviously i want to increase the the coverage and want to reach to all corners of the world with this so um um it's free and i'm sure you're going to get hours of enjoyment um gain some useful knowledge um and it even may help you in certain certain challenges that you could be facing um so 
Until next time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.